0: All right, well, we're there in uh, Genesis chapter number 24, and uh, I'm going to do my best to preach through that, through the entire chapter tonight, and only spend one week in this, because I don't want to have to read that chapter again, okay? <laughs> Next week. And uh, it's a pretty long chapter, and it deals with the story of uh, of uh, Isaac having Rebecca come to be his wife. And, you know, this, this chapter... Uh, Serves. I think everybody basically agrees. My whole life I've heard this chapter preached as a picture of the Great Commission and maybe specifically as a picture of soul winning. I will tell you right now that the way I've heard this preached by most preachers, I agree with probably 99% of it. There's just... Uh, you know, let me say ninety percent of it. there's just one aspect that I would disagree and that I want to kind of show you today. Usually people will preach this chapter or this chapter like, uh, like the chapter we saw uh, in, in Genesis where Isaac was taken up to Mount Moriah. Everybody sees that as a typology of Christ. This chapter is seen as a picture of the Great Commission, as a picture of soul winning, and people will usually, and I'm not really sure why, they will assign uh, different characters, uh, different, you know, they represent different things, and I, and I agree with that, and I'll go with the, w- over that in a second. But they'll say that the servant that was sent out that he represents the Holy Spirit. Now, I disagree with that, and I don't necessarily see the servant in this chapter representing the the Holy Spirit. What I see is the servant representing a soul winner, this servant representing someone that's going out and search and seeking. So let me just give you the players, and then we'll jump into it. I see 15 different uh, correlations between this story and the Great Commission and soul winning. That means there's 15 points to the sermon okay but we're going to go over it quickly and I'm probably not going to review like I normally do but let me give you the players all right Abraham in this story just for those for just so you know maybe you can jot this on the side of your of the chapter or something so you can study this out later if you'd like Abraham represents God the father in this story the picture that we see is of Abraham as God the father the servant like I said I believe represents a soul winner now Today, most people will preach that the servant represents the Holy Spirit, and there may be something to that, but I believe the servant is picturing a soul winner. There is an angel mentioned in the story, and we'll see that in a little bit. I believe the angel represents the Holy Spirit. Isaac, of course, represents the Son of God, or the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a picture of Jesus, and Rebecca represents the bride of the Son. Or that would be the sinner that comes to Christ or is brought to Christ. You got that? Abraham is God the Father. The servant is the soul winner. The angel is the Holy Spirit. Isaac is the Son of God or the Son, Jesus. And Rebekah is the bride of the Son. This is a picture of the Great Commission. So let's jump right into it. Number one tonight, I'd like you to notice. We'll look down at verse number one, Genesis 24 and verse one. Notice, and Abraham, remember Abraham represents God the Father. Abraham, who's the father of Isaac, representing God the Father, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, the Son of God. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant. So notice Abraham is speaking to his servant, the servant represents the soul winner. And the Bible says that he said to his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Now, I don't understand the culture here. I'm not really sure why he asked him to put his hand under his thigh. It must be a weird Middle Eastern thing. I'm not sure. But, you know, he's basically entering a covenant with his servant, and he's saying, I I want you to go find a bride for my son. He said, I want you to find a wife for my son. But notice what he says at the end of verse 23. Thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. Among whom I dwell. That's where they were living. He said, I don't want you to go find a, a girl from the Canaanites because that was a worldly girl. Look at verse four. He says, But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. I want you to notice, number one tonight, the commission comes from the father. The father commissions the servant to go find a wife, and he says, go. He says, go find a wife for my son. Now, keep your place there in Genesis 24. That's the text for tonight. Go with me to to the book of John, John chapter number 20. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 20, when you get to John, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or uh, something there in John, a bulletin, because we're going to leave John and we're going to come back to John a lot during the sermon. So I want you to be able to get there quickly. John chapter number 20, and look at verse number 21. The commission comes from the Father. Notice what Jesus said about the commission that was handed off to you and I, the servants, the salt winners. John chapter 20 and verse 21, the Bible says this, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. This is after His resurrection. Notice what He says, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. He says the commission came from God the Father. And, he, and by the way, the commission is given from God the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ, to you and I. We were sent under the authority of God. We are sent as ambassadors of heaven, of Christ. And here in the story, you see Abraham commissioning the servant to go out into a far country and to search out for a wife for his son. And you know what? You and I have been given the same commission. We've been commissioned to go. We've been commissioned to find a wife for a bride for the son. Keep your place there in John chapter 20. Go back to Galatians, I'm sorry, Galatians. Genesis 24, look at verse number 4. Genesis 24 and verse 4, notice what he says. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, notice what he says, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So we saw that the commission comes from the father, but I want you to notice number two the mission is to find a bride for the son. The mission is to find a bride for the son. Now, all throughout the Bible, the bride represents New Testament believers, those that are saved, those that will be brought to Christ. Uh, for marriage let's look at that in the in the Bible I want to share several verses with you on this because there's a lot of controversy about this and I want to just show you what the Bible says and maybe it'll be clear to you go go back to the book of John did you keep it place there John chapter 3 and look down at verse number 28 John chapter 3 and verse 28 John 328 28. John the Baptist was asked about who he was and, and is he the Christ, is he the Messiah, is he the one that we're looking for. John three twenty eight. notice what he says. He says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Now notice, he says, I'm not the Christ. He said, I'm sent before the Christ. Notice verse 29. He, now the he there is referring to the Christ, referring to the Son, referring to Jesus. He that hath the what? Bride. Do you see that? He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He said, I'm not the he said, I don't have the bride. He said that The guy that has the bride, that's the bridegroom. He said, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I just came to the party early. I just came to announce the message of the the bridegroom. But he says, the one with the bride, that's the bridegroom. Now go to the book of Revelation, Revelation 21. And while you turn there, let me read for you from Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is a passage that deals with the relationship between husband and wife. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Throughout uh, Ephesians 5, the church, which is made up of believers, is equated to a wife, and the husband is equated to Christ. Now, in Revelation 21 is where we get a lot of the controversy, because In the Bible, we are told that Jesus is the bridegroom, and He has a bride that's coming. And throughout the Bible, believers are always that bride. If you remember the parable where they're inviting people to the marriage. But in the book of Revelation, the bride is referred to as New Jerusalem, and there's a lot of, you know, confusion because people will say, no, the bride is not New Testament believers. The bride is the city, the city, New Jerusalem coming down. He, he said, I heard what? The voice of, uh, of what? A great what? Multitude. Okay? He didn't say, I heard the, great, the voice of a lot of buildings. He didn't say, I heard the voice of a lot of streets. He said, I heard people. A great multitude. Look at verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. Notice, for the marriage of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. Notice verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now let me ask you a question. If you've ever read the book of Revelation who are the people that are given white linen robes to put on when they get to heaven? It's the saved. After the rapture, you put on that white, that white linen. So here we're told. Look at verse seven. His wife has made herself ready. She's getting ready. Why? Because she's about to go to the marriage supper of the lamb. She's about to marry uh, the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does a wife do before she gets married? She puts on a white dress, right? Here we're told that we prepare as believers. We put on white uh, uh, linen, uh, uh, arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the buildings in New Jerusalem. Is that what it says? Of the streets of gold. Is that what it says? Of the gates of pearl. What's it say? Look at verse 8. Is the righteousness of what? Saints. Who's the wife? Saints. Who's the wife? Believers. Who's, who's, who's he marrying? Look, it's the same thing we're told in Ephesians 5. It's the same thing we're told in John 3. It's the same thing we're told all throughout the Bible. The bride is the raptured believers, all united as the church of God in heaven. They are the saints. They are the ones arrayed in fine linen. They are the ones that are going to get married. Look at verse 9. And he saith unto me, right, blessed are they. Not blessed are the buildings, not blessed are the streets, not blessed are the uh, lampposts. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Now, where does the controversy come in about, no, no, it's not saying to the city. We'll go to Revelation 21. Look, uh, I was going to have you look down at verse 24, but let's start a little bit before that. Uh, we, we just saw this uh, last Sunday, so I won't spend a lot of time uh, uh, with it. Because we did all the New Jerusalem stuff in, in the sermon on Sunday morning. But, but look at Revelation 21. Look at verse number 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit of To a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto stone most precious, even like jasper stone and clearest crystal. And he goes on to describe the city. And people will say, Well, see, there you go. The, The bride is the city. But notice, he's describing the city, but look down at verse number 24. Notice what he says. Well, look at verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor in it. The key is in verse 24. The nations of them that are what? Saved. You, you know what saved people are also called throughout the Bible? Saints, believers, brethren. See, the city is not the city. It's not about a city. It's never been about a city. And by the way, it's never been about a building. This church is not a church because we have a building. What makes this church a church is the people that are meeting in this building. And if we're meeting in another building, if we're meeting in a nicer building, if we're meeting in a park, if we're meeting under a tree, guess what? We'd still be a church because the church is the people and the city. It's not the streets of gold. It's not the gates of pearl. It's the believers in it. And when he looks down and he sees New Jerusalem and he calls it the Bride, he's referring to the fact that that city is filled with the nations of the what saved. So you know, today people are always wanting to come up with a new thing and a new strategy and and you know try to. But listen to me, just stick with the Bible. All right, don't get all well. New Jerusalem, and people want to argue all these things, and it's silly. Look, the bride has always been believers. It's the believers coming together. It's the believers. And guess what? We'll all be together in New Jerusalem, and we'll be the nations of the saved. Go to Revelation uh, 22. Look at verse 17. Revelation 22 and verse 17. Revelation 22 and verse 17. Notice what it says And the nations. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the what? What's it say? The bride. Notice. And the spirit and the bride say, come. So the spirit says, come. The bride says, come. And let him that hear it say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Here, he's telling us, the spirit is telling people, hey, come and be safe. And you know what the bride's doing? She's saying, come and be safe. Who's speaking there? Is that the city speaking? Is that the pearl speaking? Is that the Golden Street saying, come? No, it's believers. The bride is believers, they're saying. And they're saying, the Bible says, the Spirit and the bride say, come. All right, so what's the mission? What's the commission? What have we been given? Here's what we've been given. We are servants sent out to find a bride for the son. That's all throughout the Bible. That's what the servant was given by Abraham to go find a wife for Isaac. And you and I as soul winners have been given the task to go find a wife for the son to invite them to the marriage supper of the Lamb one day when the entire church will be gathered together. The saints and the nations of them that are saved arrayed in white and linen clothing and will be married Two, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to make that clear because I think sometimes people get confused with things. And look, if you just study the Bible and look at it, it becomes pretty clear. Go back, go back to uh, 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 Genesis 24. So the commission, the mission is to find a bride for the son. Number three, let me give you the third point. Go back to Genesis 24. Look at verse three. And I will make thee swear. You say, why did you have to go through all that? Why didn't you just say bride? Because somebody's going to write me some stupid email about some video they watched on YouTube. So I'd rather just answer the question now and be done with it, all right? Genesis 24, look at verse 3. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt, notice, not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. He said, don't take a daughter from the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my, notice what he says, kindred. You see that? The word kindred means family. He says, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So let me say this, number three. Not only was the commission given from the father, and not only is the mission to find a bride, but you know what? The bride has to be from the right birth. She has to be part of the right family. He said, don't take a wife from the Canaanites. He said, go back and find one from my kindred. And you know what? The bride of Christ has to have the right birth, too. Say, what birth is that? We'll go back to Job. Chapter number 3. You know these verses. Verse 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 7 he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. See, the only way you get to be a bride, the bride of Christ, the only way you can be the bride of Christ is if you have the right birth. He said, these Canaanite girls, they don't have the right birth. He said, go back and find one from the right family, from the right kindred that has the right birth. So we have the commission from the father. We have the mission to find the bride. We have the fact that the bride has to be of the right birth. Go back to uh, Genesis 24. Look at verse 5. Genesis 24, verse 5. And the servant said unto him, peradventure. The word peradventure means perhaps. He's saying, well, what what if this happens? He says, perhaps... The woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? Here's point number four the bride has to be willing. That, it's not Calvinism. It's, it, it, it's not, you know, the servant shows up, grabs Rebecca, smuggers her, and sa- he says, You don't get a choice. You, you know, he it, it, you know, he he has chosen you, and then look, she got a choice. He said, what if she's not willing? He says, well, if she's not willing, then there's nothing you do. You just give her the option. And if she wants to come, she can come. Look, salvation has always been to the willing. Did you keep your place there in Revelation 22? Look at verse 17 again. Revelation 22. I, I thought I asked you to keep your place there. I, I don't remember if I did. Revelation 22, look at verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is athirst come. Notice, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You know what that means? Whosoever wants it. Whoever wants it can drink. Whoever wants it can be saved. If she wants to be married to Isaac, she has the opportunity. But she has to be willing. It's not Calvinism. It's not, it's not you know, irresistible grace. The, you know, the service says you can't resist. You got to come. That's kidnap, all right? That's not what happens in the story. She gets a choice. The bride has to be willing. Go back to Genesis 24. Look at verse 5. Genesis 24, verse 5. Notice, notice, what, notice what the Bible says. Genesis 24, and verse 5. And the servant said unto, unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Notice what he says. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son hither again. Now keep your place there in Genesis 24. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. If you have your place in John, you got John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Here's the fifth correlation that we see in this passage. Because he asked a question, if she's not willing to come, must I needs bring thy son again? And Abraham said, beware that thou bring not my son hither again. Here's point number 5. The son will not go in search of his own bride. The son cannot go in search of his own bride. If the son will have a bride, it will be brought by the servant. And you know what? Jesus is not going to come down and get anybody saved either. Jesus isn't going to come down and preach the gospel to anybody. Jesus has done all that he can do and will do for salvation. The, The rest is left up to you and to me. Are you there in 2 Corinthians 5? Look at verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and who hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us, you know, uh, the, the equivalent of, of a dating service for Jesus. He's having us find him a wife. He's not going to go himself. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. If anyone's going to be saved, it's going to be because you and I went there. And we might say, well, why doesn't Jesus come back? Why doesn't Jesus preach the gospel? Why doesn't Jesus? And and the father says, no, 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 he cannot. If you're going to find a bride, the servant's going to have to do it. The servant was given the ministry of finding Rebecca for Isaac. And you know what? You and I have been given the ministry of going out in search for the bride of Christ. The son will not go in search for his own bride. Go go back to Genesis 24. Genesis 24, look at verse 6. Genesis 24, verse 6. I got 15 points. so I got to go fast, all right? Genesis 24, look at verse 6. Actually, you know what? Look at verse 7. we read it for verse 6 already. Right. Look at verse 7. And the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel. Remember, here's the next character. He will send his angel before thee, that thou shalt take a wife unto my son from them. I believe in this story, the angel is actually a picture of the Holy Spirit. Because in the story, the the servant is saying, Well, what if I go?" go? Go to the book of Acts, please. Acts chapter 16. The servant is saying, what if I go and she doesn't want to come? What if I go and she's not the right one? What if I, you know, what if all these things happen? And here's what he says. He says, God, Abraham says, God is going to send this angel before you, and he's going to guide you that you might find the right young lady. And you know what? When it comes to soul winning and the Great Commission, you and I, as the servants of God, as the soul winners, need to be in tune and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that will guide us. Look, soul winning is not, we're not door-to-door salesmen. One of my frustrations with a lot of soul winners is they treat soul winning like like it's a game or something. Like, you know, I'm trying to get as many sales as possible. i got to be able to come back and show my numbers. Look, I'm I'm not a salesman. I'm doing a spiritual work. The Holy Spirit has to be involved in this thing. If God has to lead, if God's not in it, why are we doing it? If God's not involved, why waste our time? Look, I'd rather go sell Kirby's door-to-door if God's not going to be in charge. at least I'll make some money, you know? At least I want to have all these people hating me and protesting against me and calling me all sorts of names and things, you know, selling vacuum. Well, maybe, maybe I will. I don't know. But, you know, it's a spiritual work we do. The Holy Spirit goes before us. At least he should. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? It's all throughout the book of Acts. Acts 16, look at verse 6. Acts 16, look at verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the regions of Galatia, Acts 16, verse 6, and were, notice, notice the apostle Paul being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. The Holy Ghost let him know, hey, don't don't go there, you're going to waste your time there. Notice verse 7. After they were come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bithynia. But notice the Spirit. The Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit did not allow them. And they passing by Mysia came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia uh, and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering. Notice, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto To them. I'm just asking you this question. How many times do we go soul winning? How many times do you go soul winning? And before you knock that first door, you bow your head and you ask the Holy Spirit of God to guide you. To help you. To prepare the heart. It's not a game. We're not trying to just get numbers and come back and say, high five. I got 12. I got 10. Hey, we want God in this thing. We want God to lead. The reason that Paul was so effective is because he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The reason the servant was so, was so effective was because the angel of God went before him and prepared the place and guided him. And you know, you and I need to be that way. Let me show you another passage. Acts, Acts 18, look at verse 5. You're there in Acts 16, just a couple of uh, chapters over. Acts 18, look at verse 5. I try to, I try to make it a habit every time before I go soul, soul winning, asking the Holy Spirit to go before me, to prepare the hearts, to, to, to remove distractions to help me to be sensitive to his leading, to know where he would guide us and want us to go. Acts 18, look at verse 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed, notice, in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. See, he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. You and I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. As soul winners, as servants, we must be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, which is represented by the angel. Now, keep your place right here, okay? Keep your finger right in Acts 18. we we're, we're I'm going to show you something in Genesis. We're going to come right back to Acts 18. Let me give you the seventh point. Gala- uh, Gala- I keep saying Galatians. I see the G in my notes, and I keep saying Galatians. Genesis 24, look at verse 8. Genesis 24, verse 8. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then, notice, then... Thou shalt be clear from this my oath, only bring not my son hither again. I want you to notice what the father says to the servant. He says, you go and take the message to the sinner. You go and take the message to Rebecca. It's up to her whether she wants to come or not. It's up to her whether she wants to be married or not. You just go and send the message, and when you've given the message, he says, you've done your job. He said, it's not your fault if she doesn't come. And by the way, it's not your credit if she does come. He says, your job was to take the message. He, he says, thou shalt be clear from this my oath. If you go and you present the, the sermon, you present the message, you give them the presentation, you tell them that you've got a bride that they can come and marry, then you've done your job. And you know what? When the servant brings a message, when the soul winner brings a message, he's done his duty. You and I need to get away from this mentality that we have to produce salvations. You and I don't produce anything. We don't get anybody saved. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb. It is His grace and His faith. You and I are just the messengers. You know, sometimes people go out winning and they'll be out for a couple hours and nobody gets saved. And they're all discouraged and upset. You know, when I go winning for a couple hours and nobody gets saved, I'm not discouraged. I'm not upset. Say why? I did my job. I gave them the warning. I gave them the message. I said you can be married. I said you can come to the, to the Lamb. You can come to the Son. I'm clear of my oath. Obviously, I want them to get saved. But if I gave them the opportunity and they didn't get saved, you know what? That's, that, that's, that's their choice. They have to be willing. But the servant's job, the servant's job, is just to give the message. So you know what? It's not any better when you come back from soul winning and you got five people saved, you got nobody saved. You didn't get anybody saved. Jesus did And and if you just (laughs) preach the gospel, you did your job. And guess what? You also get rewarded for the labor, not the results. So when I go out soul winning and nobody gets saved, I'm still getting rewards in heaven because I'm being obedient to God. Because I'm doing what he asked me to do. Because I'm laboring in the vineyard. And if people get saved, praise the Lord. Obviously, that's the goal. But you know what? We need to get away from this idea. I got to produce these results. And I got to make this person pray this prayer. And I got to. Look, it's their choice. Just let them decide. Your job is to present the gospel clearly, communicate it clearly, have passion involved in it. And if they don't want it, that's between them and God. Acts 18, look at verse 6. And when they opposed themselves. See, some people opposed themselves and blasphemed. Notice what Paul did. He shook his raiment and said unto them, Your your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth I go into the Gentiles. You know what he said? He said, I did my job. He said, your blood's not on my hands. He said, I gave you the opportunity. I gave you the gospel. You chose not to do anything with it. You know what? That's between you and God. He says, I am clean from henceforth I go to the Gentiles. You're there in Acts 18. Go to Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 25. Acts chapter 20. And verse 25, notice what the Bible says. Acts 20 and verse 25. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. This is Paul speaking. And he says, wherefore, I take you to record this day. Notice what he says. That I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. See, all your job is and my job is to declare the counsel of God. And if I do that, then I'm pure from the blood of all men. Say, Pastor you are you trying to build the biggest church in Sacramento? It's not my church to build. He said, I will build my church in the gates of house, and not prevail against it. He said, what are you trying to do? I'm just trying to give the message to everybody. I want everyone to have the opportunity to be saved. I want to, bring the me- I want to be able to say, hey, I am free from the blood of all men in Natomas, in Sacramento. We gave them the opportunity. We delivered the message. Whatever they did with it, that's between them and God. See, the servant that brings the message has done his duty, is cleared from the oath. You don't have to produce, you don't have to kidnap, you don't have to do anything. You just bring the message and you're done. Go back to Genesis 24. Look at verse 9. Genesis 24, verse 9. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning the matter. And the servant, notice, and the servant took 10 camels. Of the camels of his master and departed for all, notice, for all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. Here's point number eight the father supplies the needs for the mission. He, he didn't have to supply his own needs. He takes the camels, he takes the he took ten camels of his master and departed. And I want you to notice the phrase, for all the goods of his master were in his head. You know what the Bible says to the church of Philippi, which was a missions-minded, soul-winning church, preaching the gospel, sending out missionaries, sending out the apostles Paul. Paul wrote them under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he said in Philippians 4.19, you have to turn there, but he said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You say, Pastor Mans, are you worried about the future of Verity Baptist Church? I'll be honest with you. Not really. I mean, sometimes I am when I'm in my flesh. You say, well, are you afraid that you're not going to be able to bring a building? You know, look, if, if, if we're not able to get a building, it'll be because God didn't want to give us one. And by the way, let me remind you, nowhere in the Bible did God ever promise that we have to get a building. My wife, you know, she's not here tonight, but my, my wife, she's always here. You know, obviously she's, she's not feeling well. But my, my, my wife, you know, she, she, she reminds me of this. And she says, well, honey, so- someone's got to be the first one, you know. Because we get this attitude like, well, God's got to provide. God's got to meet the need. God's got, You know what? Someone has to be that Stephen. I mean, the Church of Acts, they had the pressure from the Jews. But it wasn't until Stephen got dragged out and stoned that things really got hot. You know, I hope we're not the Stephen of the United States of America, but some church somewhere has got to be that first church that deals with hard persecution. And it's going to be worse than not getting a building. It may be being thrown into prison. It may be being beaten. It may be being put to death. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that we're ready for it. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about Christians in general, United States of America. I think we're a little too spoiled. I don't think we realize that someone's got to be the Stephen. I don't think we realize that every town Paul went into, he got imprisoned, he got beat, he got persecuted, and we're going to sit here and quit on God if he can't bring us a building? He never promised us a building. He promised me a building up there. If I don't get that building, you know, we'll have to talk. You know, he gave me, he told me to be a building, whether it's going to be a mansion or a glorified body, I, I don't know. But he said he'd give me a building. But you know what? He never promised me a building. here. He a Pastor, are you worried? I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that the resources are available from God. And if we get it, it'll be because God did it. And if we don't get it, because God didn't want it. And we got to be okay with that. Job, Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job said, if he takes everything away, if he removes everything, the Lord gave, the Lord it away. Take it away, blessed be the name of the Lord. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. I, I, I like that story in John. There, there, John, was a fa- John the Baptist had the multitudes coming out to see him, and, and his church is failing, and the crowds are leaving him, and, and they're starting to follow Jesus, and his church is wondering, and they asked him, they said, what do you think about this? And he says, he must increase. I must decrease. It's not about us. He said, I'm not the bridegroom. He says, I'm just a friend. I'm just here to support the bride. I'm just here to support the bridegroom. And we need to be ready for that. You know, the resources are available. We go with the power and the resources and the protection of God. But it is he that provides it. It is he that makes that uh, available to us. Go back to Genesis 24, look at verse 11. Let me give you the ninth point. Genesis 24, verse 11. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by the well of the water at the time of the evening. Even the time of the women uh, go out to draw water. And he said, notice verse 12. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of the water, and the daughters of the men of the city. Come out to draw water, and let it come to pass, that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give uh, give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast... I want you to notice this word, appointed. You see that word appointed there? That thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. See, here's the ninth point. Soul winners should be praying for divine appointments. You and I ought to get up every day and say, God, do you have an appointment? Do you have a Rebecca that you want me to run into today? He said, he said, look, I can talk to anyone. I can talk to everyone. But there's someone that's ready. There's someone that if I offer them the marriage of Isaac, they will take it. They will accept it. They will be willing. And he says, will you Make sure that I find that appointed one, that appointment. See, you and I as soul winners, we need to begin to pray, God, would you create a divine appointment? Would you help me to be sensitive? Would you help me to have open eyes? And look, soul winning doesn't only take time, you know, between 10 a.m. and noon Saturday morning. It doesn't only happen, you know, between 2 and 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Between 5.30 and however long you guys go on Thursday night, you know, 6.30 or whatever, 7.30, you know, on Thursday night. Hey, it, it, all day long, we are coming into contact with people that God may want us to give the gospel to. Amen. Do you pray for those divided appointments? Here, he didn't just go out and say, let me go find all the women in this town and figure out. He said, Lord, would you, give, would you guide me to that appointment, to that appointed one? The one that will be the one for Isaac. And you know, as songwriters, you and I need to learn to pray for divine appointments and to open our eyes and to take time to talk, to help, to to be there uh, uh, for for people. I'll give you a a quick testimony, and it's not a good one, all right? It makes me look bad. But I was taking my my children, I was going to take them to a restaurant that we would never eat at, but they have a play area, <laughs> and from time to time, I'll take them to that play area, and just, and just so that I don't feel like I'm stealing from these people, I'll, I'll order chocolate milk for the kids, all right, to justify them playing in their play area while I get work done, but, um, but we would never eat at this restaurant, all right, so I'm telling you this because my wife's not here, so don't tell her. <laughs> that I took the kids to a certain restaurant uh, with a clown, okay? But here's the thing. So, you know, a guy named Ronald. So here, so here's what happened. We were, we were heading out. This was on Friday. We were heading out. I'm just kidding. My wife knows. But we were, we were heading out, you know, and I saw the, the stack of invitations there, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to take the kids in here, I'm get some chocolate milk. They're going to sit and they're going to play while I go through some notes for my sermon and, and take some time to read and things like that. I thought to myself, and I really, I thought to myself, I don't need those. And I get, I get in the car, we drive, we're going there. We're there for however long we're there. We, we get out and we're, we're, the kids are getting in the van, I'm getting them loaded up. And I hear a guy say, young man. And I turn around, and he says, young man. And I said, you're talking to me? He said, yes. He said, what's your name? I told him my name he said, well, if you are who you think I, you are, who I think you are, I just want to thank you because I saw you on TV. And, I, and he's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're taking the stand, you know, that needs to be taken and so many. And he starts telling me about all these liberal churches that will not preach hard against the homos and this and that or whatever. And then he says to me, he says, do you have an invitation to your church? And I'm like, no, you know. <laughs> and I just take out a piece of paper and I write down our church information. I write, you know, I give it to him. But I think to myself, you know what? I need to be mindful that sometimes there are appointments that God sets for us. And we need to be ready. We need to be willing. We need to be ready to present the gospel. When I tried to talk to him about the gospel and he had to get going. And I, I wrote down his number and he got my number. Which, it was just funny because I even, I looked at the invitation and I like, I don't need those. I'm just going to be doing this. And then somebody's asking me, do you have an invitation to your church, you know? to visit your church you know but we should be mindful of those divine appointments we ought to be, maybe if that morning i would have been praying lord do you have a divine appointment for me today do you have someone maybe if i would have prayed that prayer i had been more mindful to be ready and you and i need to be mindful in that way go, go back to uh, genesis 24 look at verse number 12 genesis 24 look at verse 12 i want you to notice something about prayer genesis 24 12 and he said oh lord god and my master abraham i pray thee S- notice what he says send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Look down at verse 15. And it came to pass, notice, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Micah, the wife of Nahor, all that to say the right kindred, the right birth, Abraham's brother, with her picture upon her shoulder. He prays, and the Bible says, before he's done speaking, the answer comes out. And you know what? Usually, go, go to the book of Isaiah real quickly. we got to move quickly. Isaiah 65, Isaiah 65. You got, if, if you find Psalms, you got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Isaiah 65. Usually, you know why we don't pray? Because we don't have time. I don't have time to get down on my knees for the next 30 minutes, 40 minutes, hour, and pray. But you know, that's a lie of the devil because prayer is actually the great time saver. Any time invested in prayer, it's worth its weight in gold. And here, she could've, he could have ran around town looking for some young lady. But instead he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the time to pray. And before, the Bible says before he's done speaking, before he's done with the prayer, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out. You know what's interesting about that? God promised that in Isaiah 65. Look at verse 24. Isaiah 65. Look at verse 24. Isaiah 65, 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. See, prayer is not wasted. Investing time in prayer is not wasted time. Prayer is actually the great time saver. And you and I need to learn to take time to pray. You, need to learn. you say we're running late. You know, that's our own character problems. That's our own laziness, not getting up early enough or not scheduling our time. But we need to learn to take the time to pray. It will actually give you good speed. It will actually save you time. uh, Genesis 24, look at verse 16. Genesis 24, look at verse 16. Genesis 24, verse 16. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. So she goes to the well, she fills the pitcher, she come up, she comes up, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Now, if you remember what he said, he said this. He said, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask if I can have some water from their pitcher. And if the young lady gives me water and then without me asking, she of her own free will and accord offers to give water to my camels, then I will know that this is the right one. So that's the prayer that the servant gave. Now notice verse 17. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. I want you to notice the words that describe Rebecca, And she hasted. And let down her pitcher upon her hand, and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, until they have done drinking. Look at verse 20. And she hasted, she's not going slow, she's hurrying, she's She hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Now, I don't know how much water camels drink, but I think it's a lot, you know. And there she's feeding these 20 camels water. She's bringing them water. And she wasn't asked to. He just said, could I have some water? And and she said, sure, I'll give you water and I'll give water to your camels. She said, what can we learn from this? Number 11. When we're out soul winning, and by the way, and if you're out looking for a spouse, look for hardworking people. Look for hardworking people. Go to go to Matthew chapter four. We got to do this quickly. We got we gotta we gotta hurry up. I, I gotta get home. Matthew four. Look at verse eighteen. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm saying. When Jesus was looking for leaders in his ministry, you know what he looked for? People who are working. Hardworking people. Look at Matthew four eighteen. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. Notice, he saw two brethren casting a net into the sea. What were they doing? Working. For they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So notice, he sees Simon, Peter, uh, Peter and Andrew. What are they doing? They're casting a net into the sea. They're working. Then he sees other two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. What are they doing? They're mending their nets. What is is that? They're working. And he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed them. That's four out of the twelve disciples he finds doing what? Work. Let me give you another example. Go to Matthew 9. Look at verse 9. Matthew 9. Look at verse 9. Matthew 9. 9. Matthew 9. 9. And as Jesus passed from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. What was he doing? Sitting at the receipt of custom. What is that? He was working. He was a tax collector. He was at work. And he said to them, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And you know what? When Jesus was looking for people to serve in his ministry, he found people that were working. When, when the servant was looking to find a wife for Isaac, he finds a girl that's willing to work. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you, in soul winning, we ought to be looking for people that are hard workers. And I'm going to do my best to explain this, and if I say this the wrong way, I, it's my wife's fault, okay? I, I told my wife, I'm probably going to get into trouble because the last time she missed a Sunday night that I preached, I preached a sermon and she wasn't here on Sunday night. That's, that sermon went viral, <laughs> and uh, and you know brought all the protesters. So I, I'm going to try to say this in the best way I can, and if it comes off wrong, I, I apologize. But you know what I've noticed in ministry is that if you find people that work hard as unbelievers and you get them saved, they'll work hard as believers. And if you find people that are lazy as unbelievers and get them saved. They'll just be lazy unbelievers. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. But I, I've no, I remember our church isn't like this too much anymore. But I remember the early days of our church, we had a lot of people that came to our church that just were not working, that were just being supported by the government. And I realize some people need to be supported by the government because of disabilities. And I get that, and I'm not talking about that. But these people, there's nothing wrong with them, they were just lazy. And I thought to myself, like, man, these people have nothing going on in life. They're going to be at all the services. They're going to be at all the soul winning. They're going to be at whatever. And, And you know what I found? Those people were just hit and miss Sunday morning only. And then we started getting people who ran businesses, people who worked hard, people who got up early, stayed a plate. and I thought, these people aren't going to get involved in anything. These people aren't going to do anything. They're way too busy. And you know what I found? Those people that work hard every day, and I'm not talking about retired people, and I'm not talking about people that are unemployed and looking for work. I'm talking about people who, are not, who don't want to work. They're not looking for a job. They want Obama to support them, all right? But here's what I found. People that work, they show up to soul winning, and they show up to all three services, and they show up to work days. And they do this and they and you know what I found is if you find people that are working, they'll work after they get saved. There's a reason why Jesus went and said, Hey, you guys are working, follow me. You guys are working, follow me. Hey Matthew, you got a bad job. This whole tax collecting gig, that's not a good thing. Why don't you come follow me? Because if you find people that are working, I'm just I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, I'm just telling you this. You find people that are lazy before they get saved, they'll be lazy saved people. You find people that work hard before they get saved, they'll work hard as believers. And here the servant, his qualification is, does that girl work hard? And by the way, let me say this. Young ladies, don't marry a guy who doesn't work. I don't know how many times I have to tell people this. Well, he said as soon as we got married, he'd get a job. He didn't have a job for years before he married you. Why would he get, married, get a job after he married you? And then you're all mad because he won't work. You know? And by the way, guys, make sure you, you want to get married. Find a girl that works hard. I don't know if you know this, but raising kids and homeschooling kids and and being a mom is a lot of work. It's hard. Make sure you don't marry a girl that's lazy. Here, his qualification was, does she work? Notice he didn't say, Lord sent me the most prettiest girl, and he gave him a pretty girl. He said, Lord, find me a girl that's not lazy. I'm going to ask her for water. If she offers to to water the camels, that's the one you know, we ought to be looking for people that are hard workers. And if you're not a hard worker, become a hard worker. If you're not, if you're lazy, you know, that's a sin. Work on that and become, start working so you're not, we're working out of being lazy. Anyway, go back to Genesis 24. Whenever I preach that, it never goes over well, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. Genesis 24, look at verse 21. And the man wondering at her held his peace to whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. We're going to skip a bunch of these verses because the problem with this chapter is there's a whole section in it where he's like repeating himself you know the story so we're not that it's not inspired or it's not important it's just the same material look down at verse 34 and he said i am abraham's servant so he meets so he meets this girl he gives her all the earrings he gives her all the jewelry they go back home he's meeting her family and he said i'm abraham's servant and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become a great, and he's become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare him a son to my master when she was old. Notice what it says. And unto him, talking about Isaac, hath he given all that he, talking about Abraham, hath. The father, here's point number 12: the father delivered everything into the hands of the son. And it's the same way with Jesus. You don't have to turn there because we're running out of time. Matthew 28, 18 says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, after the resurrection, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know that God delivered all power to his son? In the same way that Abraham, the Bible says, had become great and had given him all that he had. So that's another correlation. We're going to skip a bunch of these verses cuz it's just repeating the same story and we read it before the chapter. But go go down to verse number uh, 54. Verse number 54. And they did eat drink and they did eat and drink he and the men that were with him and tarried all night and they rose up in the morning and he said, send me away the, unto my master. So the servant says, we've we got to get back home to my master. And her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten, after that she shall go. And he, talking about the servant, said unto them, hinder me not. Seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. So I want you to notice, here's point number 13. When you decide to follow Christ, you have to do it immediately. He says, let's go. And the family's like, no, 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 wait. Why don't you wait at least 10 days? And he says, hinder me not. He says, no, we got to do it now. He said, we got we to we get back to Isaac now. Look at verse 57. And they said, we will call the damsel and quiet out her mouth. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, "Wilt thou go with this man? Notice it's her choice. And she said, I will Go. Did you keep your place in Matthew 4? I meant to tell you to keep your place there. But let me, you know, get back there if you can. If not, let me just read a verse, uh, a couple of verses for you. Look at verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Remember, he found them out working. He found them working. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. The word straightway means immediately. They went immediately, look at verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. See, if you're going to follow Christ, if you're going to go, Rebecca, you've got to go now. You've got to do it now. Don't wait and say, well, I'll do it in 10 days. No, no, you got to do it right now. And see, some of you need to decide, you know, with soul winning, with Bible reading, with prayer, with whatever tithing, whatever it is that God, God is working in your heart that you know you ought to be doing, don't put it off. Just do it now. Amen. Immediately, do it right now. Just follow him now. you got to go now. Hinder me not, is what the servant said. He said, don't, don't keep me from getting to Isaac. Go, go back to Genesis 24. Let's, let's finish this up. Genesis 24, look at verse 59. And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gates of those that hate them. And Rebekah rose and her damsel, and they rode upon the camel and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. Notice verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Go go, go to John 17. Let me just show you something real quickly. Here's point number uh, 14. The son has a ministry of prayer. The son has a ministry of prayer. What's Isaac doing? He's out in the field meditating. As the servant's out finding the wife, as the servant's out seeking, you know, who may, may be able to bring to Isaac? What's he doing in the field? He's praying. You know what the son, Jesus Christ, is doing for you and I right now? He's praying. He's praying for you and I as the servants to go out and to find him a wife. Did you know that? Look at John 17. Look at verse 9. In John 17, we won't read the whole chapter for sake of time, but we we see a prayer of Jesus. This is Jesus praying to His Father. Now, I want you to notice what He says, John 17 and verse 9. I pray for them. This is Jesus praying. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine. And all, uh, all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them, and how am uh, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Skip down to verse 15, notice what he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Skip down to verse 20, just for sake of time, notice what he says, neither pray I for for these alone. He says, "I'm not just praying for these disciples right here, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word." Do you know that Jesus is praying for you out soul winning? He's praying for those that will believe based on your words and my words. Now, it's always interesting to me. People are like, I I need Jesus to answer my prayer. Well, why don't you answer his prayer? It seems to me like in the Bible, there's a whole lot of people praying for your soul winning. Jesus is praying. The people in hell are praying. Jesus asked us to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard. You know, you and I could answer a lot of prayers. Wouldn't it be great to be able to answer a prayer for Jesus? He's praying that we would go and preach the gospel. I'd love to be able to answer prayer for him. Go back to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. So we've seen that as soul winners, we need to look for hard working people. And please understand, I'm not talking about people that are disabled or not able to work. I'm not talking about people that are unemployed and they're looking for work. If they're looking for work and it's, you know they can't find work, that's not necessarily their fault. That's just our stupid government and the systems that they've set up and taxes and things. But there are people who just don't want to work. Who don't, they're not looking for work. They're, they just want to be able to live off the government. And you know what? Those people need to get right with God. Those people need to get up every day and work hard and not just be living off the taxes that other people make. We need to be looking for hard working people. And the Father delivered everything into the hand of the Son. We saw uh, in number 13, fall, uh, falling after the Son must uh, be decided immediately. Number 14, the Son has a ministry of prayer. Number 15, this is the last one. One day the son will come out to meet his bride. Look at verse 64. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she said unto the servant, notice what she says. The servant brings her to Christ, but then she says, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant, and the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. By the way, that's why people, ladies cover themselves with a veil when they get married because Rebecca did that in this passage, but I want you to notice Isaac comes out walking in the field to meet the bride and one day Jesus is going to step out from eternity to meet his bride in the clouds and we're going to meet the sun in the air and we will all be united as a bride of Christ look at verse 66. and the servant told Isaac all these all things that he had done and Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca And she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I know there was fifteen points of the sermon, but there were sixty-seven verses. All right. So there's a lot of material there. And we got through it. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father.